0: You know, sometimes you gotta learn to love what's good for you. You know what I mean?
1: Hello and welcome to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Thanks for tuning in for today's Toxic Turn-On, the Draco-Malfoy romantic fan fictions, retellings, and video content that is sweeping the internet lately. We're diving into this very unique fantasy phenomenon and exactly why the dark bad boy figure is so seductive in fiction and in real life relating. Wow. Wow, we're here, here we are. Here we are. 11 years
0: later. Oh man. (laughs) I think I thought we'd be here. I think I thought we'd be here too. But not here.
1: But no, me, I thought we'd be here. Oh, okay.
0: I thought we'd be here
1: generally. I'm really excited to talk about this. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm excited.
1: I'm really excited to talk about this because I knew nothing about it. And then I opened that door And then you opened the door for me you. and I
0: dived in deep. Yeah, thank you for going on that journey with me. Thank you for
1: holding my hand. Yeah, sure. This is insane. Mm-hmm. This is crazy to me, especially like the whole universe that Draco talk which I feel like it's just like an umbrella term that people are using. Yeah.
0: Well, what's funny is The way that you were introduced to it is the way that I was introduced to it because yeah. we're adult women, right? I knew nothing about it and then like a year and a half ago. I had a friend mm-hmm. Who was very deep in like the fan fiction Fan fiction realm like that was her chosen place to essentially like get porn that was her her realm and I was talking about, like, the kind of guys that I was, like, actively into and dating, and she was like, you are such a Draco girl. And I was like, Draco? You mean, like, the pansy little daddy's boy who's, like, flouncing around? Like, what are you talking about? She was like, no, like, the other Draco. And she basically told me that there's this, like, underground realm of people who have, like, taken canon Draco and turned him into this, like, brooding, strong bad boy who like overcomes his personal demons or doesn't depending on what you're reading and then like falls in love with hermione granger and that it's like a completely separate character from the person who's in the books and she was like you are such a draco girl like about the person i was really dating what's so funny to me though is that like the
1: expansion of the character draco because his character is very one note Mm
0: -hmm. in the
1: books in the movie because they've sort of taken like every the draco talk phenomenon has taken everything from the book everything Mm -hmm. from the movie and like mashed it together and Mm -hmm. and added things and turned it into this like definitely still toxic extremely like twisted love story yeah but it works, it's so weird. Like, I've been watching, I've I've read some of the fan fiction. I've watched some of the TikToks where people edit themselves into a new version of the story, and... He is cute.
0: He's very cute. What's so funny about, especially if you watch, like, the TikToks, is that what is vital to the story for these girls, because I do think that most of them are high school girls, I gotta be honest. I think most of them have never been in a relationship, Is that what is vital to this fantasy is breaking up with draco at some point they don't want to be with him and be worshipped by him they want to be with him and they want it to be a fucking whirlwind they want it to be tortured they want it to be on again off again they want there to be maybe like another nice guy floating around like they want to break up with draco they want to cry over him that's so funny Mm -hmm.
1: and that's also funny because i feel like we were teenagers together and Mm so many of our fantasies when we were extremely toxic teenagers, like, it did involve a breakup. It had to involve a breakup. It was never like, I'm gonna meet a nice guy, and we're gonna fall in love, and we're gonna get married, and we're gonna stay Mm -hmm. together forever, and now look where we are. But,
0: like... We wanted to be tortured, and I just feel like when you're a teenage girl, and we were both this way, it's like you felt like you had this, like, hurricane inside of you Mm -hmm. all the time, and you just wanted scenarios to pop up that would, like justify the hurricane or, like, give you a place to kind of, like, exercise it. Definitely,
1: because you're just in so much pain. Like, you wake up one day and for no reason,
0: like, you're just in so much pain as a teenage girl. Which is so funny because, like, I remember us, like, stomping around in, like, combat boots and dark eyeliner and, like, you know, whatever, and, like, if you look back, like, we just look like little 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But in my mind, I was... Effie Stonem. I was Effie Stonem. Like, I was riding high, you know what I mean? So, but
1: now we're adults. This is probably 10 years, more than 10 years later. Yeah, we're big, big girls now. And I still get it, is the thing. Like, I've definitely had, like, healthier relationships, and we've done the toxic thing a couple mm-hmm. times, and... You know, I definitely have a better sense of self when it comes to this, but I think we can both say, like, the Draco thing, the bad, the bad boy, the brooding thing, it's still working.
0: At least in fiction. I would say I grew out of it one year ago. (laughs) And I'm 25. (laughs) I would say that I was, like, so attached to this one idea of a guy for, yeah, literally from when I was a teenager to when I was 24. Yeah. I just kept getting back on that
1: train. (laughs) And, like, what knocked you off the horse for good?
0: Um, I think I finally, like, A, met my match. Because I think that I had this idea of someone being tortured as it being really romantic, in a way. Like, that was, like, the idea of someone having demons and then, like, coming to me about their demons and me being the one particular person who could understand this person was so romantic. And then I finally met someone who was like deeply tortured in a way where I was like this is not fun, this isn't a whirlwind, this is like scary and sad. And then I also (laughs) went through this so many times with different guys when I realized that like their demons had nothing to do with me. Hmm. And the fact that they were coming to me about this was not because I was, like, special or smart or because, I like, they loved me. It was just because, like, they were narcissists and I was there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, this was not because, like, I was special and I finally understood them in a way that nobody else did. It's because I was the one who was stupid enough to keep picking up the phone. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... I just always thought that it would be this, like... Bonnie and Clyde, us against the world, like nobody gets me the way that this person does. And then I kept going through it with people over and over and I was like, wow, this is not about me at all. Like I am just an accessory to you and that sucks. And then it becomes this
1: turn off. It really does turn you off completely because I've I've done that too. Mm -hmm. And you sort of look up and you're like, oh, like I'm not even here. Like you're in a play. A one-man show. I'm not even here. I could be a mannequin.
0: Yeah, I like went through a breakup and then was on a rebound date with... This was, this was team A of the bad boys and I had like gone into it being like, I broke up with my nice, nice boyfriend and here I am back with my bad boy for a rebound. Like, I'm the main character right now. And I was like, oh my god, I am the side character in this story. <laughs> but
1: there is some, so I, you also love Harry Potter.
0: I love Harry Potter.
1: And you have since you were very young. Yeah. You're a Harry Potter family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone's a Harry Potter girl. You once told me that Harry Potter was your first crush.
0: He was my first crush because he was such a boy. He was such a boy. In those books he, he just loves sports and he hates emotion. And I was like, Yeah. He's I like that. A, he's kind of a girl in the movies though. He's so sensitive in the yeah. movies. Which is don't sweet. talk about this enough, is that he's like sensitive and he likes Hermione and In the books he's like a brute. <laughs> he's like, I love sports and I wish everyone would stop crying. <laughs> That's it. That's who Harry is in the books. And I was I was into it.
1: So, it sounds like there's not really, like, it It seems like in the Draco talk world, Draco is sort of, like, this misunderstood person and Harry becomes this hero and they're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum of characters in the books. But honestly, it sounds like what originally you, draw, drew you to Harry is kind of why Draco and Draco talk, this whole character they've created and this whole fantasy that these crazy little girls have <laughs>
0: created, is very similar. Yeah. Well, I think... You know, when I was... Because, you know, Harry was my first crush when I was, like... Were we five when those came... Like, I don't even know how old we were. We were so young. We were really young. Um, And, like, obviously, Draco was never my crush because Draco wasn't this character in the books. But I would say around high school, like, if there was a bad boy character, that's who I wanted. Mm. Like, if it was Stephen... Not Stephen. If it was Stefan versus... Damon. Damon... Oh, I was obsessed with Damon. Me like too. I was a hardcore Damon girl. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember other examples because I know that there were them and now I can't. But like all I know is that like I only wanted someone like with a record mm-hmm. who might kill you. You okay. know what I mean? Like I I wanted the torturedness. And honestly, Harry's pretty tortured now that I think about so it. So dark. Especially in like the fifth one. Oh yeah, he's always angry. He's so angry. Now this is coming back to me. He was, he was so angry.
1: Yeah, like I know that I'm sure J.K. Rowling and the, uh, the I think a bunch of different writers write the movies, but like I think you are supposed to see that like Harry and Draco are not so different. It's just that yeah. Draco comes from a abusive family. I mean, so does Harry, but, like, Harry ends up finding friends, and he's the chosen one, and, you know. So, like, they really are very similar people, and, you know, Harry is this, like, he's
0: swashbuckling, he's... I was gonna say, now that this is coming back to me, like, Harry's pretty dark. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was hot. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, I don't know at what point I figured this out, but I just think that for me, like, I, at some point, felt like whatever relationship i was going to get into as an adult i was like bringing a certain amount of baggage and darkness that i felt like maybe other girls didn't have Mm. and i really romanticized the idea that like a it wouldn't scare someone away because like they would have their own shit to deal with like i was you know when i read harry and how like tortured he was i was like yeah same page, you know what I mean? But also, the idea that, like, my darkness would, like, specifically equip me mm. to be the perfect partner for someone was, like, the most romantic idea that I could ever think of. So, like, this thing makes you lovable.
1: Yeah. And this person who also has experience, experienced this thing that makes you both able to yeah. love each other. That comes from a really real. Yeah, place. I think I'm so fascinated by it. I'm so fascinated by all of these young girls who are still really attracted. Like it's universal. Mm -hmm. Young girls want a bad boy. Most young girls, I think they you all you experience that at least once. And it's just it's so many factors. But I think it's so pivotal pivotal to like the woman that you become is like being able to understand why you want that, and if you had it, like being able to understand that experience because we've both at separate times like held each other's hand through the breakup and Mm -hmm. like purging of these very toxic men in real life from each other's life. So I feel that now also like the loving of this character that has been created around Draco is more of like a sentimental thing now. Mm
0: -hmm. It's like, oh, that's so cute. Like that's so... It's also funny because Draco is an idea, he's not a character, which means that he shows up now in different literature in different ways. So like, it's not like JK Rowling wrote the romantic Draco, Mm -hmm. there's like a bunch of different like, you know, TikToks or fan fictions or whatever, where like, Draco behaves slightly differently depending on who wrote him, which means that like, his ending is unfinished. Mm. So there are versions of the story in which like he never overcomes his demons and they don't end up together. Mm. And then there are versions of it where it's like he does. Do you know what I mean where he sees a different way and he becomes this really good person and he like there's a happy ending. So I think that also what must be so attractive about the Draco of it all in a way that's not attractive about real people. Mm-hmm is that, like, his story will never be set in stone, like, every single day. There is a new opportunity for Draco to, like, rise to the occasion or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas now, where we're kind of at an age where it's like, damn, if you meet a guy and he's still doing the shit that, like, teenage, like, angsty boys were doing to us, mm-hmm. it's really unattractive, first of all. It makes me laugh
0: now. Yeah. like. The stuff that I used to think was debonair makes me laugh. Do you know how many men have looked me in the eyes and said, I think I might be a sociopath? How many? Three. (laughs) Three men. And the first time, I thought I was in a goddamn movie. And in that moment, were you like, hot? Like, literally, I was like, yes, we are connecting. We are connecting. Do you know what I did that night? I went home and I cried myself to sleep because I just had this intense experience. The third time it happened, I laughed. The third time I was like, shut up. (laughs) Shut up and eat your cookies. No, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, you just start to realize that, like, You know, obviously, everybody has baggage and everyone has things to work through, but there is something I think kind of specific about the way that men have been taught to like nurse their demons. Yeah. Is really unattractive. And at some point, you're a grown woman with like years of therapy under your belt and you've got a great routine and good friends and a happy brain, and you're like, all right, I don't have time. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I think
1: that something about, at least all the Draco content that I've taken in so far, it seems like it's the perfect recipe for bad boy. Because it's like, he's bad, but almost somebody's forcing him to do these bad things. he
0: doesn't know any better, because he was raised by wizard Nazis. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't he doesn't have a choice. And also, like, he is really young. He's so young. If your parents, like, hit you every day and also were Nazis, when you were 15, you'd probably also be a Nazi, yeah. which I think is probably also what people like about it, is that, like, his evil isn't his choice and he's so young that it doesn't feel personal. Mm -hmm.
1: And it seems like it hurts him that he is, does not have a choice but to, like, be this very evil person.
0: Well, the sixth book, Mm -hmm. and movie, that's what's funny about this, is that a lot of this, like, moral ambiguity is canon. Yeah. She just didn't, a lot of people feel like she set up an arc that Mm -hmm. she never finished. Yeah. So, you know, the sixth book, he's, like, charged to kill Dumbledore. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) And he, like, it's tearing him apart inside. Yeah. Like, all you read about and see in the movie is how he, like gets sick and he's so stressed and then the moment comes down to it and he can't do it mm-hmm. right like he le- he goes all the way up to it and he can't do it and then there's actually whoever directed the seventh or eighth movie I don't remember um, because in seven part one if we're talking about the movies um, Harry and Ron and Hermione show up at Bella's mansion and he refuses to identify them mm-hmm. which is supposed to be like his big moment of moral ambiguity where like he at the final moment can't hand Harry over to Voldemort in the final like battle um in the eighth movie they shot a scene in which when Harry pops up and reveals that he's not dead Draco throws him his wand Mm. and they wanted to like complete the arc right and say that like Draco realizes and they cut it and they I know and they they take it away from us and basically all you see is like Draco and his family like sulking away and you never get to find out the ending of that arc
1: well it's just him and his mommy right walking think, away him and helen mcrory i think his dad is there oh, okay well yeah it does suck that you don't get to see him basically like choose to be his own man yeah but i also think it is very attractive to like be like oh, but I can make him feel better. Like, there's a there's the seeds of a, a good guy in there, but yeah. they, there's this very attractive smudging all around it. So he's like this perfect mix of, like, bad, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to be bad, but can't help being bad. And girls just want to touch it for a little. <laughs> girls just want to play.
0: They just want <laughs> to touch it for a little and leave. Yeah, I also think, like, We just want to be special because I feel like when you're a girl, all you're taught from the second you come out the womb is that all bitches are the same. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Y'all look the same, y'all read the same books, y'all listen to the same music. Like there is nothing special or different. Y'all dress the same. And so the idea that like there is something about you that is so one in a million that could like lure the prince of darkness, like back over to the good side. Like I think think that's what people like is the idea of being so special.
1: Mm. Because he also never really has a girlfriend. And a lot of these bad boys, like, a singular tenant to the bad boy trope is, like, they're very solitary. Like, Mm -hmm. they rarely have girlfriends or friends or they never have a group. Draco's like that. He's very solitary, despite the fact that he's existing in these very, very dark cults, like Slytherin and the Death Eaters, but he's very solitary, and you yeah. think, like, he must be lonely.
0: Well, that's why people are so <laughs> empathetic towards him. People are like, yeah, Harry's an orphan, but at least he had friends. Which is really funny, to Yeah, me, because, because he like... like, yeah, everyone <laughs> he knows and loves dies, yeah. but at least he's got pals. Which is, I know, kind of like the point of the book. But it is funny because, yeah, like, he is set up to be sympathetic. Because... He comes from a wealthy family, but he also is, like, in the books, abused by his family. Yeah. And we love a sad boy. We love love a boy who hates his mommy. We love a boy who hates his daddy. Absolutely. We love a boy whose daddy hates him. And then it's like, you're the
1: only person that Mm -hmm. can crack through all, like, you're the only person who makes the connection.
0: He's not kind because he's just never seen kindness. Exactly. And you see that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. But I do think it's... The girls are damaged.
1: (laughs) I think that, one, it's so interesting that coming to this as an adult, as somebody who had never thought about Draco in my life Mm -hmm. before these young girls created this universe, it's so funny because I do have the sentimentality around, one, loving Harry Potter and it being a very cozy, safe space, even from when I was young. But then now, as an adult, like, being able to combine that with like the mental romantic state I had as a teenager. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like it's this sort of love for this younger self that I had that I look back on with this whole Draco thing. Cause it's like, these girls are likely where we were when we were teenagers in varying degrees of intensity. So it's like, aw, women are dumb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny cause it's like, and the wheels will just keep turning. Do you know what I mean? Like, teenage girls have always craved the bad boy. Like, they just can't help it. And, like, we will keep going like this. I saw Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. And she basically dates, like, the bad boy. Mm -hmm. She can't help it. Like, she basically dates this guy who's, like, nobody else knows me the way that you know me. And, you know, I have to play a part for the rest of the world, but I can only be me with you. And I was like... This is about 1950s, like, South Carolina. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're dressed in a way that you've never seen in your life. And I was like, how is it that I've I've dated this man? So many times. I've dated that man. Yeah. And I just, it, you know, it. the wheel keeps on turning. It just never changes.
1: It's such a pivotal experience, though, mm-hmm. I think, going through that. And I also think this is an interesting, because I know that there are plenty of other women people who engage with like this sort of attraction to this romantic idea of Draco who are not teenagers who are Mm -hmm. grown women just as we are and I do think a big part of being attracted to it is like it's not even like oh it's hot it's sexy it's more of like yeah like I get that thing Mm -hmm. that bad boy thing and I remember when I wanted it so badly it's Mm -hmm. more of like this reflection into your inner life—it's not necessarily like, oh yeah, like Draco just really does it for me, and like I want him so badly. It's more like that is like such a touchstone for who I am as a person and all of these experiences I went through.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of adult women, it's very current. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I look back and I'm like, Oof. like I, I remember it. I, I do think that like if you never date it in real life, you never understand how fucked up it can be. And I think that I literally had to meet like the Prince of Darkness to finally like wake up, understand what it was about this that was not working, what it was about me that like needed this so badly and needed this validation so badly to be like, let's, let's put it to rest. Let's put it down finally. So this like,
1: fantasy and this summation that you are sort of look back on now, like sentimentally in Draco, it has been really good for you. Like it sucked at the time experiencing this fantasy in real life, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really transported you to a
0: really healthy place. I think I had to date both ends of the spectrum mm. to understand how they were connected, <laughs> first of all. And I thought, I was like, congratulations to me. I have cured myself of the bad boy, I'm dating full opposite, and then I kind of look back on those relationships, and they were at their core the same, Mm. and they, like, fed the same need, but, yeah, I think I am glad I went through it. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it to other people, like, go find the most twisted, fucked up person you can possibly find until they cure you of your toxic Draco fantasy, like, I don't i don't know that i would prescribe that but it worked it did it did work
1: and one way or another you were going to find trouble like one way or another you were going to
0: experience this i've always gone looking yeah i've always gone looking but yeah i
1: think i do i also do think it's a tough topic because most young girls who, who are engaging with these very toxic fantasies like i recently had a conversation with someone who was we were talking about another romance author and they were like well, she encourages such bad examples in romance. And mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be like, it's a fucking novel. Yeah. Like, it's not a manual, Right? you know? It's not a self-help book. It's mm-hmm. a novel. And girls are going to fantasize and they're going to want things. Like, I think if you don't address it as we are talking about it now and acknowledge that it comes from a real place without shame, they're going to go find it.
0: No, it is true. And it's also like, I think that on some level if you look at it, every relationship is toxic. I think that there's a level of toxicity if you look at it through any lens to most relationships because like partnership is so intense. It's messy. Do you know what I mean? Like the way that we take on another person is so intense and like there's gonna be a level of darkness to that and I think that you have to Kind of figure out what works for you Mm -hmm. like, you know, I Like I said kind of got like cured of my I just dated so many drug addicts (laughs) in a row and then I dated someone where I was like Patting myself on the back being like he is the exact opposite of these people like congratulations to me he is just so moderate in every single way he doesn't have any of these toxic traits and someone said to me they were like dating someone because they're the opposite of something that burned you is not good like that's just Mm -hmm. as bad as continuing the cycle and then like once that relationship ended I realized that like by swinging so far to the other side of the spectrum I had found more darkness do you know what I mean like it, it was you know and I think I'm still figuring out what like that happy medium looks like, but yeah, I don't think that you can look at a romance novel and be like, well, this is not what I'd want my daughter to be in. She's gonna be in it anyway, shut up. (laughs) She's gonna date a loser, (laughs) she is. She's gonna date six losers and you have to keep your mouth shut.
1: You really do, because that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're not allowed to say without shame or honesty, this is what I'm attracted to and this is what I think about, and this is what is genuinely hot to me right now. And it's a little fucked up. If you're not allowed to have that conversation with people, that's going to fester. That's going to turn into something bad. And I think it does for teenage girls like it did for us because we grew up in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to have young love. We got to have a Madonna whore complex. <laughs> yeah. There was no outlet for us to like be romantic or, or be even at all a little sexual. So that just festered. And then you and I hit our older teenage years Mm -hmm. and we said give me the (laughs) most beautiful fucked up loser you can find and
0: I will marry him if you let me and thank god nobody let us yeah no it's true and I think people need to explore but I also think that something that's important because like we're talking about romance novels is like at their core these are people Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and like you can't put like a blanket ban on people, Yeah, that makes sense? And like, yes, do people tend to fall into the same like patterns and archetypes? Yeah, but they are people. And you know, those people that I dated who looked me in the eyes and said they were sociopaths, like someday they will grow up mm-hmm. and they will marry someone and you know, they yeah. will be good to them. Do you know what I mean? So you can't like, you can't throw all the fantasies out. I don't know. Right, like, it's like maybe,
1: maybe Draco does grow up and he, he grows out of it. You know, maybe he does become a good guy with a dark past, which maybe that's...
0: Maybe the, that's what we want. Maybe that's what we want. The reform bad boy. I mean, that is what happens in the in the books, right? Yeah. He grows up, he marries... I think her name is Astoria? I don't know. You never hear about her otherwise. Yeah. He basically finds, like, some Slytherin girl who otherwise he didn't know and has a lovely family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He puts it all away. He stops speaking to his parents. Like, he, yeah. and, he and Harry are fine. Like yeah even okay not that this is hot but um what's the kid's name Dudley Vernon I think so yeah Dudley Vernon grows up and like becomes close with Harry oh JK you know how she does that thing where she like tells you what happens after basically she was like yeah he was mean to Harry because he was a kid and they were both kids and then he grows up and he like feels bad about it and like they have a good cousin relationship for the rest of their lives that's sweet Yeah.
1: So maybe that's, as you get older, what the bad boy fantasy grows into. It's like, maybe this is toxic, but it's like, he does put it away for someone, Mm -hmm. you know? He does grow, and, and he has that sort of, like, complexity of experience because he had this dark past, but he got through it, and now he's, like, a healthy, functioning individual who doesn't
0: treat people poorly. He'll do it for someone, but oh my god, I don't want it to be me anymore. (laughs) And that's called healing. So all of this, like
1: all of the things that I talk about, I write...
0: She writes the smoochies. I
1: write romance, I write in the sexual wellness industry, all day, every day. Like, I am talking about something crazy with someone who doesn't want to hear it. Right. But basically, like, I think that really what pushed me to wanting to talk about this with people I'm close to, is that you really can't put one label on what toxic is, because something that's really good for someone is going to be really bad for someone else. Right. So I think in the realm of fantasy, which is fiction, Mm -hmm. like fantasy remains in another realm that we don't apply to real life. It leaks. But, you know, I think that we should be allowed to just say what's up there. So I think labeling fantasy toxic is, you know, it's good to know when something should maybe stay fantasy, but it's also good to know where it comes from. So what do you think makes fantasy toxic? Like, what is your definition of toxic?
0: I think, because like I said, my bad boy fantasy was leaking over into who I was dating in real life. And I think that I realized that what was toxic for me about it was that I was dating someone not for how I felt about them, but for how what I thought dating them said about me. Mm. And I kept dating these guys and like seeing myself through their eyes. So first, when I was dating like not so great people, you know, first of all, was I cool enough? Mm. You know what I mean? Because these guys were like, cool, you know, they smoked a lot of cigarettes. Like, was I cool? Was I down enough? to be this girl that they were with. And then it was like, was I brave enough to put up with all the shit that they were saying to me? Do you know what I mean? Cuz they'd say some really fucked up shit and I would, you know, not blink and not cry and like, was I cool and smart and stoic enough to be with these people? And then, you know, when I realized like my pattern and I tried to date like a really 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 like good person, I was just constantly like, am I a good enough person for this guy? Mm. Like, you know, do I drink too much? Do I gossip too much? Like, am I too vain? Like I was just only ever exhausting myself, trying to see myself through these guys' eyes. So for me, what was toxic about the fantasy was that it had nothing to do with the guys and it only had to do with like the narrative that I thought that it perpetuated about who I am. Mm, I see, so in a way, you were forming these
1: fantasies around what you perceived as shortcomings. You were like forming these fantasies around like trying to prove to yourself that these things were either true or not true about you.
0: Yeah it's kind of like the fantasy was me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the fantasy was that I was going to be XYZ person. Right. And then I dated them and I realized that first of all it was exhausting (laughs) and second of all they were all so goddamn self-involved there's it a room. Didn't, it didn't say anything about me. Right. I had no idea who I was. And I like am so excited to now, after a year of like not being with anyone, <laughs> to just date someone and like only have my own voice and my own opinions in my head of what I feel about them. Do you know what I mean? And not have to worry about like what does this say about me and what are they thinking about me? Like just sounds quiet. Mm-hmm. It sounds peaceful. And I'm excited to see what that looks like because I've never done that
1: wow that's lovely it's really like i really do think that this very negative experience had very positive outcomes you know mm-hmm. being drawn to this negative dark force it you know it, it was transient and you moved through it and you learned a lot about yourself and now you're like now nah, i'm just i don't i, don't, I just want to sit with myself yeah i just want to sit with my own thoughts i'm retired Thank you so much for listening to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Tune in next week to hear me and another friend chat about Robert Pattinson's romantic essence across many of his characters. For extended show notes that include reading, watching, and listening recommendations, as well as an episode-related journal prompt, subscribe to my substack below!